Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Speaking of Green. I am your hostess and curator of sustainable business news at Southeast Green, Beth Bond. And we are celebrating this morning because I can't believe it. Oh, I guess maybe I can believe it because I love to talk. But we are celebrating the 300th episode of Speaking of Green. And so today I am very honored because I have an intern this summer. And we decided that we would turn the tables around and that she would interview me because I, I wanted to do something special for the 300th episode, but I couldn't sort of put my finger on, you know, what it would be and trying to go back through 300 episodes of podcasts to, you know, pick the highlight or pick the favorite uh, really just seemed like an insurmountable test. So I'm really excited to have Charlotte with us, and let me tell you a little bit about her, and then we'll get into the interview. So Charlotte Spaeth is an Atlanta native and a graduate of Riverwood International Charter School and is currently studying journalism at the University of Colorado Boulder. She first became interested in the environment and sustainability after a conservation trip to South Africa in 2014. She's excited to combine her two loves, the environment and journalism, this summer as an intern for Southeast Green. So we'll be right back with Charlotte, and we'll get into the interview. Hi, this is Charlotte, and let's start with the questions. So, Beth, how long have you been running Southeast Green? So... The I sort of have two start dates, which I guess is sort of um, unfair. But um, I started I started something six months earlier before I started Southeast Green, and it was called A Greener Atlanta, and um, that ran for six months, and that was um, 2007. So we're really, for me, thinking about this and and doing something is 10 years, but the official launch date of Southeast Green when I had my partner, Sandra Cummins, who I just appreciate her so much for being there as at the initial start, was actually uh, July in 2008. So we are coming up on nine years in about, you know, three weeks. So really excited um, to have had such an amazing journey. It's, it's, it's hard to believe that we're even at nine years because in some ways it feels like it, you know, it started yesterday, and um, in other other ways, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much we've we've gotten done in nine years. So, um, and it was really sort of a strange story because Sandra had started Southeast Green, I had started um, Greener Atlanta with another partner, and we decided to com- combine forces. And <clears throat> initially, Southeast Green was just going to be like a green business directory listing. But I had been telling news on Greener Atlanta. So we did the colossally stupid thing and decided that uh, we should tell the news of 13 states and two metro regions because, like, we could cover it all. But it was really important to me to cover all those states as, as everyone moves forward on their sustainability journey, journey. So we cover Florida to Texas, Virginia, Maryland, and, you know, we've got some states. Of course, you know, the metro Atlanta region is really, really strong. And But we've got some states that, like, you know, <laughs> we may have 30 pieces of news 
because it's just hard to infiltrate everything. But it was still important for Arkansas and Kentucky to have a place on the site. All right. Um, and what inspired you to start Southeast Green? Well, <clears throat> I, I don't. I mean, I really don't consider. Well, I consider myself a greenie now. But back then, I just my my first passion is solar. And for those who are regular listeners, they know we talk a lot about solar on Speaking to Green. There's a lot of information and. So initially we were going to do like a solar site, but then I, I realized that there was a much, much broader story, right? There was water conservation and green building and, and you know, biomass and recycling and all those, you know, organic foods and everything. And so we decided to go much, much broader, which I'm really, really glad we did because that opened the door for so many people to get to tell their story, where if we had been just in solar, it would have been very, very narrow. The other thing that we did really intentionally was is when we were looking at, you know, what the national websites were doing, they they were dividing the information up based on topic. So there'd be a solar section and, you know, a green building section and all the other things that I just listed. But that really bothered me because sustainability is a very holistic interconnected conversation, right? If if you work on energy issues, you're also working on water issues and you're also working on right-of-way issues. It's it's all very, very connected. And so I wanted people in the southeast in particular who maybe not had as much exposure to sustainability to hit their state and understand that there was all kinds of things happening in their state. So you know, if they hit Arkansas, they could see, oh, oh, here's a gardening article and an organic gardening article, or here's <clears throat> news from Walmart on what Walmart's doing with sustainability. And so we really were very intentional, and, and, and I'm very happy that we did it, so we divided it by the states. So people, you know, can find that information. And, of course, we've got a lot of general information, too. Um, we... I think it sort of reveals my uh, schizophrenia or ADD or whatever that, you know, basically if I felt like adding it to the site because I was a blogger, I had the freedom to add it to the site. So, you know, I've done cooking videos and we've done the radio show and we've done video series and and so <clears throat> it's really been exciting to see, you know, people interact with the site and share things but the core of the site is uh, poli- uh, environmental policy news and, and sustainable business news. So if you are listening to this and you're in the southeast and you have um, information that you want to get out, please feel free to send us your information because we really we look at Southeast Green as a service to the entire sustainability community. We want to lift and support your stories, and that is our goal and so we are now at over 17,000 pages of content, which is just sort of crazy to think about. But that makes me really excited because it means we've had 17,000 engagements with folks in regards to, you know, what's happening in their life or how we can help them on their sustainability journey. How do you continue to be inspired to advocate for the environment and share this advocacy on Southeast Green? That's a really good question. and. You see me sort of, you know, in my mode. And and the first thing is, is it went by so fast, right? You, you know, you would think, well, how can you advocate for everything? Um, but the other thing is, is I have 
a broad sort of interest in everything. And what we what I've seen with Southeast Green is sort of these ebbs and flows in regards to what are hot topics. And so for me, I get to advocate for a bunch of different things depending on what's sort of hot because I you know I sort of know what's going on. And the other thing is, is I I didn't consider myself this, but I I I, I like to talk clearly and I'm relatively friendly. And I met so many people. And so for me, every time I meet someone new, I want, you know, based on their interests, I want to plug them in um, to help guide them to get to the quickest solution for whatever, you know, whatever challenge they're facing or whatever new network they're looking to build. And so, you know, every new person I meet is a new opportunity to create a connection for them. And I think that's one of the things that I'm so excited about is, is, you know, knowing that I can I can provide someone assistance to help them. The other thing is, is I have spent an enormous amount of time attending conferences, and, and, and people have been so wonderfully generous. And I just cannot thank uh, our listeners and the contributors and the colleagues that I've met along the way as they lift and support me. And so it was really, really important for me to um, lift, turn, and turn and lift them. And so, you know, as the network got bigger, you know, I sort of became a bigger resource because people knew I was out. And and I have, you know, I, this is not my my first job, right? I, I didn't study journalism in school. Um, I didn't even know what a blogger was when we started. Blogging was just starting to get big. Um, I probably didn't pick the best topics. Because uh, it is, I always tease that, you know, we are the geekiest, wonkiest uh, website out there. I really like deep deep dives into uh, information. But that being said, I've ended up sort of having this phenomenal exposure, which has been like probably the best master's degree, right? Because I've attended all these events, and for those of you who don't know, um, when I attend events, I tweet live and try to capture what's being said in, you know, nice little sound bites. And so, you know, I've actually gotten this sort of this compendium of information and uh, knowing that I might be able to help someone with, you know, some arcane little thing I heard at an event they they weren't able to attend um, really, you know, gets me excited. I mean, in the end, I'm a helper. I just love to help people. And so when I can, you know, when I can provide information that gets someone further along the, their road, that just makes really happy. And when you're, when you're a helper, you know, there's always going to be people you can help, so it sort of feeds itself. Um, when one of my colleagues initially called me the Green Wikipedia of Atlanta, I'm not sure I remember everything now, because nine years of information is, is a lot to retain, but I do, you know, like to do the best I can. And so, um, for example, someone came in from out of town, on Tuesday night, I had dinner with them based on an introduction because they're like, you need to meet Beth, and she's going to fill your head with a bunch of stuff, but there'll be valuable stuff, which is really lovely. So that's that's what keeps me going. I hear you call yourself a solar geek fairly regularly. What exactly does being a solar geek entail? Well, you know, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love solar. Um, so a solar, I self-identify as solar geek because I don't, you know, I don't have any classical training per se. And honestly, there's a lot of people who don't have, who are in the solar industry who 
not like you go to school to learn about solar. But I call myself a geek because there's I'm not like I'm not the technical person, although I'm I can I can talk, you know, sort of to a medium. But in regards to like nothing makes me happier, just like just sink, you know, up to your eyeballs talking about solar policy. Um, and that's normally not something that's on the tips of everyone's tongue. And I, so I feel like it's very geeky, right? I mean, I can I was uh, very honored to take a tour of a solar manufacturer here. I mean, so I can talk about how they actually make the panels. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, not what most people want to talk about, but that's why I sort of identify as a geek. And the other thing is, is, you know, I'm at heart what I am as a marketer, right? I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm a good storyteller, but I'm not necessarily the most brilliant writer on the face of the, of the earth. And so the, um, you know, having all this sort of knowledge, um, I can actually sort of overwhelm people too, which sort of means I'm a geek also, right, because you just have so much stuff to say about something that, you know, sometimes you don't know how to turn it off. In your opinion, what is the best way for people interested in sustainability and climate change to get involved in the community? So there's um, a lot of interest on this, and I like to tell people that this is a this is a journey. This is not like you hit the end of the road and you're like, okay, on to the next thing. I think a lot of times people do that. They 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 do things and they think, okay, it's it's like it's another goal to reach, but there is no goal. What 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 sustainability really ends up being is you get on the journey and you do one thing and then you should always be doing what's next. Now, for those of us who've, you know, been on the journey for a a, a lot longer, it's it's sort of exciting. And I think that's the other thing is 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 your what next is is something is always something new and something different. And something you probably haven't thought about until you get on the journey. I have um, been very honored to um, speak. I've um, started speaking in churches, and in particular to United Methodist Women. I got. Um, I am very proud and honored to say that I serve on uh, the Georgia Interfaith Power and Light uh, Board, which is the Green Church Movement. And um, I, I always tell people, God, God had a plan, and has a marvelous sense of humor, and, you know, I thought I was going to start out Southeast Green and make millions of dollars, and instead of making millions of dollars, I've, I've made, uh, you know, thousands of, of wonderful, uh, um, deep-meaning uh, friendships and relationships, and those are, those are invaluable. So I'm, I'm actually very, very rich. It just happens not to be in cash. Um, but when I go out and I speak to these churches, I have a list of 100 things. And I, what I tell them is, is first of all, go through the list, because even if you don't think you're doing stuff that's sustainable, you're doing it already. And so go through the 100 list and click off the things that you're already doing so you can feel good about what you've already done and you didn't even know you were doing it kind of thing. And then the second thing is, is I tell them to pick one thing and then get that incorporated and then go back and pick another thing. Now, not everything on that list is everyone's everything's going to do. But you know, the thing about the environmental movement in the 1970s is, is they sort of got 10% of the people on board, and they got really, really deep, really, really quick. But they weren't necessarily good at communicating 
the um the the broader conversation are converting people. And we all know that if we're going to really make a change, we all have to be doing something. This is this is, you know, there's a hole in the bottom of the boat and we all need to be bailing water. Now, I tell people all the time when I'm speaking at churches, I do not use the words climate change because, unfortunately, those have been politicized. And I want to find language that helps them understand and get them on the path. And the most successful language I have found is waste. Because we didn't intentionally start out to do have a wasteful society, but we have so much waste in our system, regardless of which system you look at. You know, you look at food, you look at energy, I mean, recycling, what is recycling, right? We are taking things that we considered waste and we're now creating new things. And so, you know, for me, it's really important for people to find the things that they're interested in. But to also give them enough information or encourage them enough to start thinking about things that they might not have thought out. So one of the one of the things that's really, really critical to me is we know that companies react to money, right? I mean, they're in the business to make money, and they all choose a different way to make money, but they're all in the business to make money. Well, if they're not responding um, to them, to their constituents or to their their uh, partners, but, you know, the best way to affect, affect change sometimes with them, and Monsanto is an excellent example, is to, you know, to get in there, either be a really active advocate as a shareholder or take your money out of that company, right? I mean, when share prices start going down, then the companies, that's when they really start to listen. So I am very, very much a proponent for everyone who cares about the environment to get in either a fossil-free investment fund, which um, is performing on average higher now, than traditional funds, especially if you have a fund that had coal in it, um, or to be an active advocate. So if you're going to stay in a utility company, then you need to start advocating at those shareholder meetings. So honestly, the easiest thing for people to do is to get out and to invest in into a green fund or a a fossil-free fund. Um, and now the financial industry has gotten where you can actually say, here are filters and this is how I want my fund. So you can absolutely pick your own fund. It used to be that, you know, well, here are the funds and just they would they would tell you to pick the fund based on returns and your level for tolerance for, for uh, you know, pain. You know, like this is a really active fund, but it could, you know, it could go really south or it could go really high um, risk. And now you can go in and you can say, I want my investment fund to reflect my values. And I think for a lot of investors, that's actually more important. Um, Many of the funds perform sort of at the same level, but if your fund is making money off the backs of, you know, poor coal miners in in Appalachia that, that are blowing up mountains, if that doesn't resonate with your value system, then you know now you have the option to say I don't want any money in in that coal. And I think when people start investing in what they value, I think they actually feel a lot better about their investments. So um, you know there's and that is just one of the hundred things on there that you can do. So I you know I I also tell people after after you clicked off what you've done, you know pick the thing that you're interested in. You know maybe you're a gardener. Well. 
maybe you haven't thought about rain barrels. So, you know, why don't you put rain barrels um, in your in your garden? Or, you know, maybe maybe you're at the office and you have influence over purchasing. So maybe you want to use, you know, sugarcane bagasse paper that's made out of the waste of sugar the sugarcane process uh, to make sugar versus, you know, using virgin virgin tree paper. So there's, you know, uh, a lot of different ways that people can do sustainability. I really don't I, – I, I don't want to say sound callous. I, I don't care where you start because I want you to start where you feel good about your journey. And so, you know, there's plenty of different ways to start. But what I do care about is, is I really care about staying on the journey, staying faithful to the, the, the ideas and the values of sustainability and and, and – Let's reduce the waste out there, and then you know, if you hit 100, then come back to me, and I'll I'll probably have another 50 or 60 you can try to incorporate in your life. In this current political climate, what do you think is the best way for those who do care about the future of our planet to get their message across? That is a good question. Um, you know, I like politics. You've we've we've done enough activities together. Um, I certainly, it's been so discouraging, and I really feel like one of my roles at Southeast Green is to be an encourager. It, it is, it takes a very tough iron stomach to be involved in politics. And quite frankly, in regards to the current situation in Washington, I think everybody, to some extent, feels hopeless. Like, it just... It just doesn't matter, you know, 300,000. I'm so proud of my mother, and she and I went up to the climate march, which is, I, you know, that's not really my thing, but I was so glad we did it, and it was hot. Um, and, you know, so glad we did it, but, I mean, that didn't make any difference. You know, I mean, it got, like, maybe three seconds on national news over the weekend when nobody was watching. So my my real focus and my real um, charge to people is is you have the ability to have much more influence on local politics. And the the beauty of being involved in local politics is is those are the those are your future congressmen, right? Those are your future senators. So if you can start having a conversation and doing things with your local politicians, then you will have much more influence for a couple of reasons. Um, one is you know, we're dealing with much, much smaller bites, right? So if you live in, for instance, the city of Decatur, which is uh, where I, well, I, anyway, you live in the city of Decatur, population 19,000. They have five council people, so roughly it's 5,000 people for each city commissioner, right? That's a lot easier to get to that politician and have a conversation about sustainability, than it is to get to a congressman who represents a million people, you know. So the other thing is is a lot of people don't get involved in politics anymore, especially at the local level. Like they think it's really important to vote for federal positions for president and, and senators, and then they don't get involved in local politics. And I'm like, that is the absolute wrong. Like it's by far, far more important to vote in local politics. And I'm going to give you an example why. So my uh, county commissioner has been um, in office 17 years, and he's done an excellent job for his uh, constituency, and he is 
a man of the people. He he will you know you invite him and he has room on his schedule. He's going to show up. People love him. That's awesome. So and a lot of times when he runs now he runs unopposed. So we had an election oh, maybe five or six years ago and he was up on the election was running unopposed. At the same time, there was a very uh, there was a big turnover happening in the school board, and so on the school board seat it was a three way three way race. So the total number of votes cast for the county commissioner who was running unopposed was like thirteen thousand. That means thirteen thousand people showed up to vote for him, even though it, I mean it didn't matter he was going to be county commissioner again. But the total number of votes cast on the same day, well, for the same election cycle for the school board race, it was a three-way race, was 6,000. That means 7,000 people showed up to vote for someone who was going to win anyway and didn't take the time to vote for the school board election. And I find that amazing and sad at the same time. Like people, people vote, but then they don't take the time to sort of get, you know, an idea about who they should vote for. And I mean, you know, look, you can, you can show up on any election day, and there's going to be a zillion people to vote for, and it's hard, you know, you know, when you start looking at judge positions. So, but what I want to encourage people to think about is is two things. One is when you go into those, they call down ballot, right? They always start with the highest level position, and they work down. When you go to vote, once you hit, you know, things that people don't know for, Georgia Public Service Commission is another perfect example. That's elections coming up. You know, most people do not vote. They'll go vote on those top ones. They may vote for the congressman, maybe their mayor and their city commissioner, but then they just they skip the judges and they skip the Georgia Power Service uh, Public Service Commissioner seat. That means if you are educated and are making votes, on the down ballot, that your vote is that much more valuable because all of a sudden your vote is in a much smaller pool, so it actually counts for more than, you know, a vote, for instance, for a president where, you know, 45 million people are voting. You're, you know, I, people say your vote your your vote matters. It's hard to believe in, in when 45 million people are, are running, I mean, are voting, that your one vote is is actually going to make a difference. But in these local elections, they can really make a difference because most people don't vote in them. So, you know, my my mantra is, is I'm never going to go out and meet every single judge can, candidate. But I do, and I think that everybody does, has at least one person who's really active in politics. Um, and normally those people have figured out it's better to be involved in local politics versus, you know, national politics. I'm not saying you don't vote for the national. I'm just saying that, you know, you, your 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 voice has so much more value in these smaller races. And so when I hit, when we have a lot of judges that we vote, I've got a couple of friends who are involved in zoning and permitting and are lawyers and they know the judges and everything. And so I ask them. And I say, you know, so, you know, who do you like and who do you don't like? And a lot of times if you have a friend who's an attorney, you know, they've been in front of these judges. So there may be a really bad judge out there who's an incumbent and they may have a challenger, and then you can vote for the, you know, you can make an educated decision. So I don't think you have to be, like, the the most informed voter in regards to, like, knowing all the, the details of every election, but I do think you have to be an educated voter. So 
you know, when you go in and you cast your vote, you're making the best decision you can based on the knowledge you have. The other thing I have to say about politics is, is I've, I've, I really vote for person now. Um, you know, we've become so bipartisan and we've become so divisive. And you know, whether you live in a blue area or a red area um, or maybe a purple area. Sometimes the best candidate is not the party that you identify with. You know, maybe they're maybe they're running as an independent. Maybe they're actually running for the opposite um, for the opposite party. But I think that voting for the best person gets us the best candidates. And so I really encourage people to, um, you know, think outside the box. Um, one of the nice things that happened, and most people don't recognize, is is 60% of voters now are so frustrated with the bipartisan politics they self-identify as independents, which means they're going to vote for the person. And I think that's really great because we're not getting anything done with bipartisanship, so you might as well vote for the person and hope that that person's passion can carry them through. And, you know, that's once again, you know, if you're involved in those little local races and you're looking for the best candidate and you get out, Maybe maybe you even get excited and you decide to do some you know some campaign work for them you know deliver your yard signs or something like make phone calls I I've made a lot of political phone calls in my life um, you know when that person gets into office they're going to remember you they're they're going to be grateful that you helped them get elected and then you're going to have the ability to have some influence and I don't mean sort of the ugly negative kind of influence that normally goes along with the word influence. But, you know, maybe, like, one of the things happened with me is um, I was very honored. I worked with uh, Kathy Gannon as uh, uh, our local commissioner here in DeKalb County. She's our super commissioner. And I was able to say, let's start a green a green team. And so for three or four years until the political climate sort of switched, we had a green team in DeKalb County, and we had people from all over the county working on sustainability and trying to get DeKalb County to, you know, incorporate practices and things like that. So that's another place where you can have a lot of influence. And it's, and it's an honor to serve, you know, your community in those kinds of roles. And, you know, it's it's great to be able to, you know, have a, a cell phone number and call a commissioner or call, a, you know, a council person and say, hey, I have this, this may be of interest to you, or hey, we've got this issue, can you help us? Um, and so, you know, it's it's really, really important. And I think people sort of get disgusted with the national stuff and then they don't think about getting involved in the local stuff and um, being involved in the local stuff. Not only is it is it's really, really rewarding um, to do it, but you also, you know, once again, you know, I'm a helper. You know that you're helping your neighbors, and what better way to help your neighbors, right? And the thing about, you know, if sustainability is your issue, like it is for me, when you start looking at, like, we're going to save this amount of money for the county, you know, because we're going to do water conservation, or we're going to do, you know, best practices for purchasing, and we're going to start saving the county money because they're going to start, you know, making better choices, or we're going to, you know, say, hey, there's this geeky solar thing out here, right? Um, maybe we can help you save energy. So, you know, you're, you know, and when you're helping your, your city or your county or even your state to start saving money through sustainability practices, and that means they have, you know, 
less burden um, for taxes and stuff, then that's really exciting. And and it's not like I'm unique, you know. I am not unique. Everyone has the ability to do this. And I realize that everyone doesn't have the bandwidth to do all all this sort of stuff, but to, to, to know that you have a relationship with one of your local elected officials and that when you need, it's not like I talk to my commissioner all the time. In fact, that's not a good idea. Do not talk to your commissioner or council person all the time. But be there as a trusted resource for them. Because when they know, oh, that's her passion, and if I have that issue, I can go to her and get that answer, then, you know, that's a really, really powerful way to be involved. And, and, you know, whether we call it the republic or the democracy or whatever, but to be civically engaged in in government and helping the elected officials is really um, not only an honor, but, you know, it's a way to move the needle on your passion. And, of course, for for me, that passion is sustainability. And so, you know, I just, I can't, it's, it's so important to me for people to be involved in their local politics, you know. Some people just stay with the school board. Um, and, and, you know, look, we need people talking about sustainability in the school board. You know, we need to be thinking about how our schools are consuming energy and, you know, how they're getting kids back and forth to school and idling policies and all those kinds of things. Um, and so, you know, I just, you know, find find where you sort of fit in, but don't abdicate and let everybody else make the decision for you. All right, best. Well, that's all I have for you today. Well, thank you, Charlotte. I really appreciate it. Um, this has been really fun, and I love the questions. Um, just so everyone knows in the audience, I did not want to see the questions in advance because I'm sort of better at you know, just off the top of my head. And, Charlotte, thank you so much because I think they were really important and valuable questions. And um, I will be seeing you soon. Um, For everyone who's listening, um, Charlotte is, uh, we're trying to expose her to as many different types of uh, sort of journalism as we can. So doing the the podcast was really important, but she's also written some articles and there will be some more to come. And she's also... Um, putting together a video. So um, please look out for that. And don't do it for Southeast Green, but, you know, she's a freshman. She's just finished her freshman year. And so, you know, give her a little social media love and share her stories and let her get some exposure. So thanks so much for your time, Charlotte. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. So I I just want to give a little bit of a a wrap-up note. I, I just cannot thank everyone enough once again for all the support and and love and and uh respect that I have been given it has been an amazing amazing journey and I wake up every day and count my blessings um that I have been given this path because it has been so rewarding um that being said we'll we'll get to a, a little bit of business um if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, please reach out to me. You can drop me an email, beth at southeastgreen.com. I'm really, the, the, the podcast, speaking of green, is as broad as the site. So, you know, we've had people who've talked about gardens and lawns and, you know, grass seed and solar and, you know, liquid compost, compost biodigesters and 
industry experts on recycling and anything you want to talk about sustainability we are I'm you know I'm here I'm happy to have the conversation so drop me an email um we are going to be making some changes I promise at the beginning of the year we're going to be making some changes um but look look for those the best way to find out about changes in the podcast is to get on our email list which you can do over at southeastgreen.com and I will keep you abreast um I'm really excited we're going to we're going to start doing uh, some really different things with the podcast, and I think that people are going to really enjoy it. And finally, um, I would love to to say that um, I can I can do this all the time for free, um, but I can't, and I have uh, many great uh, supporters. But one of um, and and advertisers on the site. If you're interested in um, doing advertising on the site, once again, drop me an email, Beth at southeastgreen.com. We um, are averaging now about 1.25 million page views a month, which I'm very excited about. And our demographics have switched a little bit. So if you want to learn about demographics, if you go to Southeast Green and click on the last tab called About Southeast Green, you'll see um, a, a link that says Who Reads Southeast Green? And if you click on there, we have a third-party uh, verifier who tells us who it is, and we've shifted a little bit. So I'm excited about that. We're starting to reach uh, more and more millennials, and, and that is really cool. But we have a, a green business directory, and you can get on that, and it's a one-time fee. So I'm going to give you a little more information about that green biz directory, and then we're going to sign out with Jeff Hicks and a Heretics, Life's a Peach, and we will be um, broad, uh, broadcasting once again at least once a week starting next week. Thanks so much to everyone, and we appreciate you so much. Did you know that one of the ways we like to support the sustainability community is by providing an opportunity for businesses of all sizes to be in our green business directory listing? You should get on it because we are getting thousands of visitors every year on all sizes of businesses, and it's very exciting for the folks who are listed on the green business directory. This is what you do to get on. You go to southeastgreen.com. On the second tab, there is the green business directory listing. Click on that. There will be a drop-down menu, and you can join the green business directory listing today. Not only will you be on the listing, but you will be sent out to over 10,000 accounts on our social media connections, and you'll also be listed in our next newsletter. So what are you waiting for? Join today.